Hey guys, how's it man? It's Nick here from South Africa. Listen, there's nothing like a growth hack or some secret sauce to help you improve your supping. You know, we've got 14 juicy ingredients to help you to further your sup journey. Hang around until the end of this podcast and we'll reveal all of it. Just for you, because we love you. Welcome to Sup FM, the podcast for stand-up paddleboarders everywhere. So with no further ado, let's get out on the water and on with the show. Here are your hosts, Nick and Simon. Good morning, Simon. How are you doing? I'm doing really good, thank you. Sunshining birds are singing out there in in the UK. We've had a fantastic summer so far. Had a little bit of wind recently, but really looking forward to getting out on the water later. Sounds like all is right in the world when uh, it may not be. Well, no, it absolutely is in my world and I'm choosing to believe that at the moment uh, with everything else that's going on at the moment. But um, But you've got a really interesting guest on today, haven't you? Yeah, David Walker from Paddlelogger. And this, you know, obviously being a paddler, we have a lot of interaction with applications and apps, and there's obviously an app for everything. And um, we couldn't really quite work out why that there were no particular apps for stand-up paddlers, made by stand-up paddlers, for stand-up paddlers. And Paddlelogger is such a thing. And, uh, he, you know, we dig deep into how he started up and where he's from and everything. And it's a really great story. It really is. Mm, yeah, I mean, the paddle logger is um, is what I tend to use when I'm on the water, and you can really tell that it's been designed for for water users and uh, and sup in particular. And certainly, there's some great features on their on their premium sort of strata of of use as well, which really helps uh, with safety. Did, does he talk about that on the episode? Yeah, you can send out digital flares and all kinds of cool stuff. It's really, it's really good. Um, yeah, we talk in depth about it. I mean, obviously, as a word of caution, if you are an Android user like me, you won't be allowed into the club. But we talk about that a lot. So um, it's an interesting concept and it's something that they may be addressing in the future. But obviously, when you're looking at a company from the outside, you think, oh, why don't they make an Android app? But there's a hell of a lot that goes into making an Android app and a lot of money as well. So um, we discussed that slightly. Um, but it's a, yeah, it's an amazing, amazing piece of kit. And uh, David's an interesting guy. And he's done some really, really interesting marketing around the company, like a virtual film festival and virtual paddles. He's got in touch with the virtual paddle league. So, but yeah, I really enjoyed the chat with him. So let's get right into it. So, David, welcome to the Sub FM podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. It's really cool to have you. Where are whereabouts are you? Uh, no worries. Yeah, thanks for having me. I think it's uh, it's an awesome podcast. So it's great to uh, great to finally be here. Uh, right. Uh, well, at the moment, I am uh, I'm in my bedroom at my parents' house, just north of London, which is not quite the the magical Cornish coastline where we're usually based. But uh, such is COVID nineteen and lockdown and so isolation at the moment i suppose well were you originally from london or from from cornwall yeah so originally yeah london born and bred and uh moved down to the southwest down to cornwall cornwall about 10 years ago now um moved down there to go to university and study and kind of just stuck there kind of fell in love with with the kind of lifestyle, the people, all the water sports and things that I was doing, and uh, and yeah, it's become a very, very uh, 
very nice uh, place to place to be. Yeah, everyone says it's beautiful. I mean, I've I've been I've seen a little bit of of Cornwall myself, and um, mm-hmm. but I'm just wondering if you showed any signs of becoming a rapid a rabid paddler in your youth, because you, were you just exposed to the water sports when you went down there, or was it was there a history beforehand? Do you know what? That, that's quite an interesting one, and I you know thinking about it, I think when I was a kid, I was always big into. You know, we went on family holidays to the coast and, uh, you know, I was very, very lucky that my parents were, you know, quite keen to get out and about and show me kind of new experiences and things and love being by the sea, love being in the sea, despite kind of never really living within <laughs> an hour or two. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I've always kind of, kind of loved to be a strong swimmer and things, but never, was never particularly a surfer or particularly involved in stand up when I was, or, or kayaking or things like that from a young, young age. Um, it was, yeah, kind of mid mid-teens onwards where I kind of found these sports and really really started getting involved because uh-huh. yeah, it's a it's an amazing lifestyle isn't it I'm sure you enjoy it right now oh absolutely absolutely I think it's that cr- incredible feeling when you first get on a board and you first kind of master it or you first uh I, I mean I can't I can never describe it when people ask me but I think as paddlers listening to this and you yourself probably recognize that click and you can see it when absolutely. it happens for people yeah. as well <laughs> uh it's that's the that's the thing and that's the that's the addiction that's where it starts <laughs> yeah it's such an amazing feeling just getting to stand up and it's it's amazing to see how many people are coming online now and, and uh and becoming stand-up paddleboarders because obviously post lockdown i think everyone wants to get out and get into the ocean it's phenomenal to see the uptake in the sport it really is have you noticed that in your business as well oh i it's a very yeah it's strange it's a very very strange time like we had at the end of last year and last season, we were starting to see, especially here in the UK, um, lots more people getting involved in paddle sports. So we'd sort of predicted ourselves, we were like, oh, 2020, this could be a good year for us. We can we can really focus on getting our product out there. It's a bit more well-rounded than it had been in previous seasons. It's a, you know, it's all about marketing and growth. Um, and then kind of, yeah, the lockdown happened and it's all got a bit sideways but bizarrely um we've kind of come out of it relatively unscathed as a business um we've had some still had some great growth and i think a lot of that has to do with a lot of with people being cooped up seeing that there's this really accessible sport available um seeing that you know all of the other advantages other than just being able to get out outside and outdoors that stand up brings and actually you know the fact that in the UK especially there's this been there's been an explosion i guess of the, the kind of uh, the budget boards at the bottom of the market which means that the barrier to entry is probably lower than it ever has been and uh, i think we've really really benefited from that yeah and not just the UK i mean around the world too yeah absolutely absolutely um, in hawaii it's been going crazy in australia it's, yeah so it's all around the world yeah but um, let's go a little bit further back back to to your early days when you first started with water sports, can you recall when you first started noticing stand-up paddle boards, whether it was online or on YouTube or whatever? Oh, I mean, no, I don't, I don't know. Is that, is that, is that when we know that stuff is a real mainstream thing when you can no longer remember when it was nothing? I, I don't know. It's, um, I, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess, in, yeah, I was in South Africa, um, funnily enough um doing some some work out there for a charity called united through sport um and i was actually coaching rugby and that's the reason why i went down there and i came across i guess at one of the like beaches or one of the like j bay or something i think there was someone doing hires or i I don't know there was just seeing it that's not one of that's not one of the beaches that is the beach man (laughs) well that's the beach yeah right sorry yeah (laughs) Um, sorry man yeah, no, you're right. Um, <laughs> it's the mecca for surfers around the world. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a mecca yeah. for surfers around the world, and 
I, I can't remember if that's where it was. I feel like it probably was because of that. Um, but it, it may not have been. It may have been maybe in Cape Town. I think there's, there was quite a big scene as well, mm-hmm. especially coming out of like the surf skis. Um, I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. And I never actually did it then, but I remember, I kind of remember seeing it. And then back in the UK, kind of that same year, it was probably as down in Brighton, gave it a go. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Again, I had that click. And yeah, was, that's very cool. And then when I moved back down, when I moved down to Cornwall, then after that, uh, there was a local club and that was it. I was able to have access to equipment, uh, get out and learn and just become better. And and then you get then you get a better paddle, then you get your own board, then you get another board, and the, you know it all kind of snowballs. Um, and then you know if you're crazy like you and I, you go, no, oh, you know, what, I'm going to make a business out of this, and <laughs> it just keeps going. But back to the day in Brighton when you went on, was it were you egged on by some friends, or did you you try and grab people and say, hey, come on, let's go paddleboarding? And and where was it? Was it in the ocean or on a lake or what? No, it, it wasn't. Uh, it was oh god, it was. Um, so in Brighton, just behind the waterfront, there's a boating lagoon, like a sailing club. Um, they have a lot of wakeboarding there as well. Um, so it's just really, really sheltered. So it's like glassy flat. And I just went by myself. I was like, that looks cool. Want to do that. Get some lessons. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm good. I, I can do this. And yeah. And then having the, then the opportunities to do it thereafter was just better. You just kind of keep keep seeing it and it keeps growing and keep, keep going. Yeah, I can I can get involved and and I think having that first time being an actual lesson probably really, really helped. You know, there's a very much a, oh, yeah, I can do this rather than flopping around on a board going, oh, this this sport I really thought was cool and looks awesome is a bit rubbish, actually, or a bit more difficult, you know? Well, that, that's an interesting point because I remember when I, stood, I started windsurfing back oh God, in, the, in the 90s and um, I was like, yeah, 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 you know, I, can, I don't need any lessons. I can do this myself. And, and, you know, it takes so long for you to do it by yourself. And these days there's the there's a coach for everything. And I always recommend to people when they first start stand up paddleboarding, they say, you know, first get a board, say go for a lesson because you'll learn so much so quickly. And it's just much more, um, you, know, you just get a better idea. Yeah, of the sport. Absolutely. You get a kick, a kickstart, right? Exactly. You get a kickstart and you get to learn about the ocean, get to learn, learn about the environment, the river or the lake or wherever you want to paddle. And it's, it's a safer thing. So Safety is obviously very important. In Cornwall, have you heard of a group called WeSAP? Was that where you where you started paddling? It was with Sean down at down at WeSAP. That was on the beach down at Gilling Bays. Yeah, brilliant because he's quite legendary. Huh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and his his business has kind of grown and grown with the times as well. You know, ac- across the South Coast, it's in multiple centres now, um, and you know he's kind of been a, a real kind of driving force, I suppose, for stand up in the Southwest, possibly. It was one of a cut, only a few centers in what is very much a kind of surfing culture. <laughs> mm, absolutely. And uh, do you find a lot of animosity between the surfers and the stand-up paddlers down in Cornwall? I mean, as, as a bad surfer myself, I'll always try and stay away. <laughs> but um, I, I think that as kind of time's gone on, like there's always reports of stuff, isn't there, right? There's, there's always seen these kind of this tribalism, which... You know, I was talking to someone the other day. I don't really understand. We're all there to love, like, play in the ocean, and we we all love the water for more or less the same reasons. Um, maybe that's because I'm not a surfer and starting to see people on kind of large, big boards taking all my waves. I don't know. <laughs> so maybe I have a different point of view. But I think everyone gets on pretty harmoniously now. There was a, a big thing back in the day, and hopefully it's being eradicated a little bit more. But down in Cornwall, you, um, there was something called the gene journey. What, what was that? <laughs> So the gene journey was a, it's probably my very first 
foray into some sort of entrepreneurship. I was, so yeah, I was doing my university degree, which was actually in geography. Um, and I, well, I wasn't bored, like getting bored of it, but I wanted to just do something to kind of focus my mind, I think, on something else that wasn't, um, that, that was something that was potentially a business maybe in it, uh, that wasn't focusing on kind of my studies um, and equally wasn't just playing around in the, on, on the beach. Um, and it was kind of started out as a bit of a blog about sustainability and uh, sustainable clothing and, and manufacturing. Um, and we met, I met some, re- I kind of interviewed some people and met some really, really cool people about who were involved in kind of reduce, reuse, recycle, um, and kind of had their, their ethos. So like the guys at Finisterre and, um, and Nudie early on as well, and, and some other uh, clothing clothing manufacturers, but specifically around denim, I suppose, and jeans with that whole idea of maybe you don't don't wash them for, a couple, for six months or so and let them bed in. And that's where it all kind of started. It didn't last for too long, but I uh, met some really, really cool people doing it and some that I later on collaborated on with other projects as well, which was really, really cool. Yeah, because environmentally, denim is not a very good product. Is that correct? Yeah, it's it's a strange one, um, obviously, because the number of times that they're washed with the dyes, uh, the fabrics, um, it's one of those things that, you know, when we look at fashion nowadays, fast fashion versus fashion that's designed to last and my whole thing at them was all about kind of repairing stuff like I, I've still probably still got jeans in my in my, in my uh, bags and wardrobes and stuff that have got umpteen holes and repairs in and you know they probably stand up by themselves um, but it was kind of all about that, about that kind of getting away from that buying five pairs of jeans because they rip immediately do you know what I mean yeah so this is while you're at the University of Exeter but you also did some other exciting things down there huh? um there's a bit of space exploration and getting involved in the startup world. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I think kind of when I was down in Falmouth, so so yeah, so the University of Exeter has a satellite campus, which is based in Falmouth, which is where I was. Um, and whilst that's kind of alongside my degree, kind of I kicked off a load of little projects like the Gene Journey, um, met a couple of other really, really interesting people, like, like I said, collaborated on with other businesses kind of later on. Um, but primarily kind of after I did my degree in geography, I went on to do a master's, um, which is actually it, flying drones. And, uh, well, that's not what happened at all, actually. I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> I went on to do a master's, a research master's that was based in Kenya. <laughs> um, say, it sounds like, it sounds pretty cool. Yeah, it was really yeah. cool. Like, and it was, that, that was really interesting. And that kind of introduced me into this world of academic research. So I kind of was like, okay, this is maybe quite a cool, interesting career path to go down. Um, so after graduating, I became a, a researcher and the projects that we, we worked on, we were involved with the European Space Agency um, and the Met Office uh, were two separate projects. Um, both of them where I was basically designing and building and testing uh, drones in kind of novel ways for scientific research. And they were, it was just really fun. Like we were all in the marine environment. Uh, we were measuring it was really cool it's called sarong it was measuring um wave height or determining wave height from reflectance from photos which is just a really cool really cool idea to me anyway at least i can i can hear you snoring away um, no i'm not i just i'm just about <laughs> waiting for a gap so i could say i think the wsl big wave tour would really welcome some technology like that because they always have a bit of a, a problem trying to ascertain the heights of or the size of the waves when they're trying to judge them yeah it was really really cool i mean the sarong project um it was had a load of it european partners it was really like the whole idea was to be able to get to a point where you could take satellite 
optical imagery from satellites to to kind of ascertain swell height um and what was really interesting i think as well because of the lifestyle that you get down in cornwall and falmouth a lot of the research staff and academic staff that i was working with are all surfers so this is there is this constant feedback of oh that's that is a really cool research kind of project to be on and i can see how it provides direct value to to my kind of lifestyle interests as well um so yeah that's really interesting you mentioned the wsl being potentially interested in that um but with that we like i say i suppose i got my own knowledge for uh, gps and how to really accurately test gps's and you know understanding how all of that works which is obviously then played into played into paddle logger hmm. okay um but it sounds like from what you're talking about a lot of your success a lot of your work has done is based around the social network that you created because ideas and inspiration are born of the environment you're in and the people you surround yourself with so how do you personally select your social network i mean that is that is a great question i think like like that that quote is something that i i i really kind of resonate with and i think i think it's something that everyone can kind of take from so whatever you want to kind of kind of create you are it does come from who you're surrounded by, right? You, you know, if you are, <clears throat> so like I said, the gene journey, I met a couple of people who became really good friends. One guy was a book binder. Two years later, we started up a luxury notebook company called Blank um, that lasted for two years. Uh, it did reason, reasonably well as a product. We took it to market, um, but it then kind of, unfortunately, we, we shut it down at the beginning of this year. Um, I met, you know, Paddle Logger kind of comes out of living in this this environment that kind of merges kind of technical with beach, with lifestyle, with the lifestyle that I wanted to live as well. Um, and finding those people that you are, that are able to help you kind of along that. And it's just a case of kind of putting yourself in it. You, your your ideas and, and your, uh, sorry, your, your environment and the people you can choose, right? And then out of that, out of those things that you can control is where you get your creativity, is where you get your aha moment, you know, the light bulb, um, the, the creative problem solving. And that's something that I, I truly believe. So, you know, when it comes to how do I personally select my social network, I don't know whether there's a science so much as, um, oh, you're, you're, really, you know, you're an interesting individual. I don't know if there's anything I particularly need right now, but I agree with your values or, you know, stuff like that. Um, and then at some point down the line, maybe there's a collaboration or maybe there's there's something where, you know, we can help each other out. Um, I'd always remember a friend of mine told me about, he uh, told me about, he he has a thing that you are, uh, you are the average of your peers or the average of your network. You know, um, if you want to be better at something, surround yourself by... Or the five people that you hang around with. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. If you, yeah. you want to be the best paddler, go and train with the best paddlers that you know like you know like there's and you will become better um so i think i think stuff like that kind of is really really important and definitely kind of plays into plays into into all of our lives really and it's just a case of being able to manipulate them to create your own kind of success absolutely no I totally agree with that i think that's that's great advice for anyone out there who wants to get ahead but now with paddle logger you employed obviously the same kind of thing with was it a serendipitous meeting with lewis smith or how exactly did it start were you sitting in a bar you know listening and, and thought okay cool let's do this idea or how did it go down i was back at again so paddle started whilst i was studying for my undergrad at university um i just finished my second year um i'd no longer i was no longer looking at the gene journey um and i was like right okay what do i want to do this summer and um i 
I remember thinking, oh, if I'm getting, you know, really into this paddleboarding, like, I really want, I want to know how far I fit. And I wanted, I was starting to get to go on further adventures and I wanted to kind of record them and have a bit more of a, um, a record, basically, and a bit more of an understanding of how I was developing as a paddler. You know, I think at the time, Strava was, you know, I was using that when I was cycling and I was using that pretty regularly. Um, I'd always kind of fawned after buying myself a Garmin big smart what like gps watch um obviously being student didn't have the money um so i was just like well there's got to be something. i'm still falling after one of those <laughs> yeah right yeah um and i kind of thought well there's got to be something better than this strava app you know and i i got talking to a friend of mine and kind of explained to him i was like oh, i've kind of had this idea do you think there could be an app you know and i was like, oh, i haven't got the skills i'm not i don't know how to code i don't know how to do digital design never built an app i don't know anyone who does app building you know this is a known complete non-starter um and he just looked at me and was just like but why not like what have you got to lose like why shouldn't you why shouldn't you go and try and build this um and he actually introduced me to lewis and we we discussed it and um yeah he helped me i kind of did a lot of the design work and taught myself digital design and, and lewis kind of as a, an independent app developer himself kind of what was possible what wasn't and about six months later we had version one of paddle logger and released it and it was a bit of a wild ride really wow. um and, that, and that's where it started it's very much a product it was a very yeah it was very much a product that i'd gone god this, this these, these multi-sport apps like they're good but i've got I'm paddling Cornwall. My hands are continually cold. Wet fingers on an iPhone don't really work. Like they're a bit fiddly. Like they're not built for me as a paddler. Like they're great for cycling, great for running because that's what they're designed for and who they're designed for. Um, but as a paddler, I was just like, there's got to be something better. And it it turns out, luck, fortunately, I suppose that after we released, we had um, some really nice feedback from people who were like, oh, this is brilliant. Like finally, like this is it's what it's been thought out. It's you know, it's something for our paddling community. Um, mm. And we've just never really looked back. That's amazing. So it's paddlers, it's for paddlers by paddlers, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and we've always, you know, we, we've always had this amazing, um, I'm, I'm actually really, really proud that we've been able to continue to develop it as we've grown as well, is this amazing um community that you know we're, we're an open book like if, if you've got an idea for something or you think something could be better come and talk to us and you know you we're, we're a tiny team it's me and lewis and and just re- recently we've we've uh, been able to bring in someone else um but it's you know you're talking directly to us the people that make it to go oh yeah that is a really cool idea and we'll we'll, we'll add it to our list of features that we want to add and if it's already on there, great. Or if it maybe needs changing slightly to be a bit more, um, I don't know, to, to fit within the product a bit more, we'll do that. Or And then we'll add it to the list as well. So we're always after this continual feedback from not only being paddlers ourselves, but also the paddling community. Mm-hmm. Well, we briefly chatted on social media before about Android. And actually, it's probably me just whinging to you about the lack of, a, of an Android paddle logger app. And as uh, I'm curious because... You know, Android has about 73% of the market share as opposed to iOS. Doesn't it make sense to invest in an Android app as well as the iOS one? Yeah, I mean, I mean, since day, day one, I think once people started to see that there was a, there was an app for paddleboarding when we, when we launched, um, we've had people say, oh, is, is it available on an Android? You know, and it's, it's been 
the odd person kind of coming through via an email. Um, as we've grown and as I think we've been more known in the paddle community, those request numbers have gone up. So we've been forced to kind of look at it a bit more, you know, um, in terms of what or what we want to invest in from our kind of resource capability. You know, we're a small company. We want to do it right. We want to say create and if we were to do it, create an Android app that is native to Android. So it's built with the same um, ethos that we built for iOS that it almost it fit, it fits within the ecosystem. Um, unfortunately, that's not necessarily a really, you know, a quick, if we had a magic wand, we'd do it, we'd, you know, we'd 100% do it tomorrow. Um, and a couple of years ago, we did look very, very seriously at, at starting the Android building. And then due to circumstances, we decided to go down a slightly different avenue. So it ended up um, building out our current product with the Paddle Live safety stuff, which I think has actually been, it was been a good call because it now means that we're able to relook again at um starting on the uh well by starting and bringing across paddle logger to to android and you know it's it's not going to be instant it's not going to be cheap and you know we hope that when we, we get to it, it it it's done right i think that's the key sure because i think it's very easy for people like me to sit around and look at your business from outside and say oh well why don't they make an android thing but it's obviously it's a lot more just there's a lot more to it than just making an Android <laughs> app and it's expensive and it yeah, probably might not fit in with your strategies. But yeah. yeah. So I, I get where you're coming from. Exactly. Yeah. And also I think just to add to that, like as an as an Android user yourself, you're gonna want something that feels like it's built for you. Mm. Right? You don't just want to say something, well, this doesn't quite work on my device because it's not really been thought out because the Android button layout for the hardware is very, very different between about fifteen different devices, for example. You know, so you want it to be to fit within that and feel within. Yeah, that. and a lot of the other apps just don't really work. A lot of the other Android tracking apps that I've experimented with just don't work. Yeah, and if you know, if we want it, we want it, we want to make sure it does, and we offer the best experience mm -hmm. possible. You briefly mentioned um, what's the what's the feature called Paddle Live? Paddle Live, yeah, yeah, yeah. So has that been incorporated into the Paddle Monster virtual competition? Yeah, so so Paddle Live is is something that we started working on uh, a couple of years ago. We launched it last year. Uh, it was called Paddler in Trouble, which we found to be possibly a bit of a mouthful and then quite difficult when we refer to it as pit. People kind of go, well, well what's that? Um, and it's this idea that you as a paddler are constantly connected. Um, that when you go out on the water, you press the one button to start, you're connected to someone on land instantly. They know where you are. If you have an, a, a diff, you get into difficulty, they are able to to uh, maybe get help to you. You can quickly contact them, or what we call is firing a digital flare, letting them know you maybe you're you're uh, getting into difficulty, and they get they get a trip map. Um, so so when it came to things like the virtual racing and people getting back onto the water now after lockdown, a lot of these events are encouraging people to to go out and post their best time and to do all of that, but do it with social distancing. So if we're saying to people, great, get back on the water, but do it alone, it, it's, you know, we feel it's more important than ever to be using a system like ours, which which just gives not only you, but, um, you know, your loved ones, that little bit of peace of mind that they always know and connected with where you are whilst you're on the water. Have you ever had anyone firing off a digital flare? Any any stories that you've heard about? So, I mean, I mean, for, we're very, very fortunate. We haven't had anything where... I would say it's been used um, in anger um, at a high level emergency. Uh, we have had lots of people where they've been okay and the system's kind of worked, it's been checked in. 
you know, I had a lovely email from from someone last week saying, I just wanted to say, really grateful. You know, I was out, I was paddling, I was fine. The system, I'd forgotten to check in. My wife rang me. It was really comforting knowing that she was able to do that. Um, and that and that's really, really cool. So we know that, that that people definitely appreciate the service. And yeah, like I say, I think it's almost a good thing that possibly we, we don't know of any uh, stories where it's been used in anger and uh, and uh, people have got into serious trouble, but it could only, you know, there's more and more people getting on the water. You know, it, it could be, it could be just be a matter of time. Sure, absolutely, yeah, and uh, and new paddlers as well getting on the water. So who need this? Um, the digital flare does that fire to your appointed other um, or whatever your 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 friend that you've allocated onto the site, or does it go to the emergency services? Yeah, so um, when you uh, Within the app, uh, you'll be able to uh, set up five emergency contacts, um, but it goes directly, and they're the people that get the the emergency messages. Um, That's quite a difficult one, I think. We were very, very aware that this is something where you could end up with a lot of false positives, right? And we didn't want to be bombarding (laughs) emergency services with, oh, no, accidental or this isn't, you know, I've just stopped off at the pub on the way home after a paddle and, you know, not forgotten to turn it off when I've been caught out. You know, like there's there's lots of scenarios where actually as, as a paddler, just having someone go, OK, this has gone into red alert. I just maybe need to call them to check in or I can go to a headland and see if they've got into difficulty. There are lots of reasons why um, they someone might go into a red alert. And then it's up to really the emergency contact to make a very informed decision with the information they have as to what the best you know course of action may be. And that's what it's all about: is providing information to make the best course of action. Yeah, oh, it sounds like a fantastic feature. But these days, small businesses like Paddlelogger have a wealth of options regarding marketing. How do you go about doing your marketing? Yeah, it's it's been really interesting actually. Um, as you may have guessed by now, um, I'm not a uh, I've not got a background in any of these things and, you know, I've learned a lot of stuff going along with Paddle Logger. Um, and much of our marketing actually is, is very, very organic. We don't have a marketing budget of huge proportions kind of set aside that we're, that we're pushing with. So I think we, we've very much gone on this, this slow approach to developing meaningful relationships with our users, um, which means it has taken a little bit longer. Um, but we, we've got, a user base now that are um, are almost our marketing team, right? Um, when they share when they share images or when they share trips or talk about paddle logger, we find that they're doing it in a really really positive way, and then their friends are going to it and they're checking out, and that's how we want it to kind of be. Is you know our best advocates are our users who are who are using the service. Um, so marketing has tended to be pretty organic, and actually we found that the best uh, the best returns have, uh, have have come from um, from setting up things like the well starting to set up things like the ambassador network and maybe pushing that pushing that a little bit rather than say going digital advertising and throwing a load of money away and giving it to Facebook. Yeah. So let's talk about your ambassadors. Um, who are they at the moment? Yeah. So the ambassador program is something that I set up at the end of last year. Well or maybe during last year, it's, I don't know what time is anymore, um, <laughs> set up last year. Uh, and it was a relatively new new thing that we wanted to kind of go, hey, let's get some um, ambassadors out there who can, you know, do the job, get to more event, events that I can do and maybe speak to some people. Um, and then just as that was kind of building that up again for this 2020, this idea of really getting out there, um, getting boots on the ground, um, lockdown. So everything went on pause. Um, but I'm, you know, in the last kind of couple of weeks, we've been kind of starting to build that up again. 
Um, so uh, we've got a couple of really, so we've got about 20, 20 ambassadors now, I think. Um, and that that's kind of a, an ongoing growing number. Um, and they come from all, all sorts of sports. So that's coming from stand-up, um, outrigger canoe, uh, kayaking, whitewater kayaking, surf ski, and various disciplines within those sports as well, whether that's surfing, touring, um, uh, uh, racing, or, or whatever. Um, and that's something particularly as paddleers, you know, we're very much stand-up paddle has been where we've come from. Stand-up paddle seems to be a bit of a gateway to all of these other sports. To So we, they're very much for paddle sports rather than just stand-up. Um, and, and particularly, so recently we've we've had people like um, Aaron Rowe, Ben Pye, Holly Pye in the UK, who are all on the UK circuit and have raced in the uh, APP um, tour in cut the past couple of years, and done quite well at the ISA Worlds as well. <clears throat> but as well as that kind of top level athletes, we've also got people in the uh, like Sarah Thornley from Sup Junkie. I don't know if you know know her. She's Kind of an incredible former UK champion, and also making that transition to OC, and that's really really interesting. Seeing she's been able to use the app and seeing how different the two sports are, and how her paddling progresses, um, all the way through to people uh, like Jordan Wiley as well, who is an adventurer. A couple of years ago, he uh, he rode across um, the world's. I think it's like the world's deadliest um, strait. It's like a pirate infested, really busy shipping lane between Somalia and I can't remember what the other country is, the other, the other side. And he rode that a couple of years ago. And he's now coming from that adventurer rowing background into stand up and looking and seeing where kind of what challenges that are available there. So it's a real, real mix. And I think it's really kind of representative of our uh, user base as well. That's great. Yeah, I hope they do well. I'm sure they'll be sharing tons on social media about their adventures and, and how Paddle Logger fits in. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's hopefully the, the aim. And it's also something that I'm personally looking to grow as much as possible. Like there's only one of me and I'm very aware that this is very, very uh, probably Western Europe centric at the moment um, in terms of who, who we've mm. got on the program. But, uh, but you know, our, our biggest market at the moment is is the United States and Australia and where the really big paddling clubs are so so more people from from those countries would be it would be would be ideal so you need to get kyle Eni and laird hamilton on board then i mean the phone is is ready it's you know if, if they could just get in touch that'd be fantastic <laughs> uh i doors always open yeah <laughs> <laughs> It seems that there isn't much competition in the sub-tracking market. I mean, Strava doesn't seem to care too much about paddlers. Uh, obviously, they're focused more on cyclers and, and runners. And a bunch of the others just don't work or are really badly designed. But however, your next-door neighbors at Subborder have their own GeoSub app. Do you guys throw spears at each other? <laughs> yeah. Oh, we probably like lob bins. Short answer. Yeah. No. Um, do, you know, do you know what, actually? Yeah, um, do you know what? Actually, I think it's it's really interesting what what they've done because they've approached it from a very different angle. Like their whole thing has been building this um, kind of spot community that's a bit a bit more similar to. Uh, so in the UK, we have uh, something called Go Paddling and Paddle Points, and for kayaking, it's huge. There's where you can go out and you can upload where you paddle um, as an online kind of database uh for kind of like white water places that are good to go how to get in how to get out um and i saw a video that will put up on instagram the other day and he was talking about how that that's what they really want to try and um or 
he didn't say it in that many words, but I got the impression that's what they were trying to to kind of replicate for for, for stand up. Where's best to go for stand up paddling? And I think that's a really that's an awesome um, awesome goal. And and I think it's yeah, it's 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 a, it's a neat little product. And it's it's interesting what you say about competitors generally because I find you're right. There's like a handful of there's a handful of paddle specific apps that are out there, um, but we all do very different things. If that makes sense, like it's not like oh, there's another paddle logger there or there's another GeoSup there or like we're all kind of, we've all got our, our little kind of niches. Um, and and then you've got Strava, which is this big social community that whilst they kind of don't seem to think about or they don't seem to design for other sports, everyone is on there. Like if you've got your cycling or you've got your, do your running, it all goes to one place. It's like you want somewhere where you can see all your sports. So they've, they've got something quite good in there. And I think from our point of view, you know, a lot of people kind of want that aspect. And, and very, very early on, we said that actually we don't want to build a social network because these social networks already exist. We're not going to, we're never, you know, maybe this is where we've gone wrong. Like we're not going to become the next Facebook. We're not going to become necessarily, well, I think we, we might, well, we're not going to become the next Facebook and we may not become as big as Strava because all of these people, are, because the communities are so strong, so big. But what we would want to do is we want people to be able to share their journeys on these platforms because it, I can boast and brag about my awesome paddle to my other friend who to who paddles and that's really cool and they'll go that's awesome I also went on this great paddle but the reality is we want to show all our non-paddling friends <laughs> how awesome our paddles were as well and get them involved in the sport and grow the community so I really think there's something to be said for having this wider um approach which we have which is why we have the gpx file easy export which is why we have the race file easy export that just makes it super easy for the paddler to go and and share their trips wherever they want to on, on whatever platform excellent um, it's a lovely open approach yeah and i think that's important and i think especially when we're looking at you know you've, you've talked about our kind of direct competitors of sub apps our indirect of the of the multi-sport apps but also we're competing with the likes of Garmin and Sunto and the, the guys that have specific hardware watches, right? I'm not going to come along with my little app necessarily and convince a hardened racer who relies on this product because of many, many reasons other than like the features. We might offer exactly the same features, but there's like a trust issue with your hardware. You get used to training with a speed coach. You get used to training with, you know, a Fenix or whatever. Uh, so changing that up, you don't necessarily want to do that. But what we encourage you to do is go, hey, use your Garmin for that. But make sure you've got Paddle Live with you when you go out paddling. You need, you sh we feel you should be taking your phone with you anyway in case you get into difficulty. Why don't you take Paddle Logger out Absolutely. and start tracking with it and always be connected? And that becomes just as important as the paddling narrative. And if there's anyone out there who has any doubt about taking their phone with them, please take it with you because it's the most vital safety piece of equipment you can have. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and you know, when, you've got to, as a, as a paddler, we'll always say, you know, it, this has got to be part of a multi-layered approach to safety, right? You've got to look at the conditions and you've got to look at the type of paddling you're doing. And, you know, if you need to take a PFD, take a PFD. If you need to have extra precautions in place, take extra precautions. You know, we're not saying paddle logger is the be all and end all, but it should be, it should be the minimum. You know, take a phone. That should be the, the the start of being able to be a lot a lot safer on the water. You've been nominated for a few awards for Paddle Logger. Is it, tell us about those. Yes, yeah, we have. It's really cool, actually. And I tell you what, if you told me kind of five six years ago when when this all started that we'd be on 
yeah, have we we'd have been, we'd have won some awards. So we we had uh, Subconnect's Gear of the Year uh, 2019 in the accessory category, which was really really cool. Um, we've won a couple of kind of local awards with uh, within the tech community down in the southwest. Uh, and then this year, which was really cool, we've been shortlisted for uh, the Sports Technology Awards as most innovative app, <clears throat> um, which is crazy. Um, partly because the other nominees are things like Manchester United Football Club. Uh, I think it's the New York Marathon, Sale GP, um, which is called like the feeder for the America's Cup, I think. Um, and there's another um, amazing community-based app. And like it's it's not just been about paddling for that one. And it's just, it seems to be against these huge kind of multinational companies, um, which feels a little bit surreal for me. It's a, I'm really proud of that, actually. It's really, really cool. Well, congratulations. Yeah, I, we, I mean, I it's well. amazing. It's phenomenal. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you yeah, will. No, thanks, but it's, uh, that's you. really exciting. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and you've done some other really cool stuff. Um, a concept of a virtual film festival. How did you get involved with the Paddle Logger Film Festival, and how did it work exactly? Because obviously, you've got to go and deal with all the makers of the films. Yeah. So, I mean, it, this all kind of came about through through the lockdown, right? We were suddenly faced with this position of no one potentially is able to paddle. How does you know, paddling, SUP as a sport potentially isn't as, you know, I read in a couple of articles, it's quite fragile. You know, it's not, you know, it will survive, but it'd be interesting to see how it got through that. It could have been really bad, blah, 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 blah. So we were very, very uh, keen to make sure that we were still investing in our community. We weren't just, you know, we're not all paddling, but we can still come together as a community. So we started looking at ways to do that. Um, and one of the things we wanted to do was was a film festival, but rather than just kind of say, oh, here's here's six films or ten films that you can watch online and have, you know, whilst you're bored in lockdown or whatever. Um, I really wanted to make sure that we had something where our community could kind of get around like each day, like everyone is watching a film at the same time all over the world. You know, we put a film up. So we we selected six films. The criteria was that they had to be uh, freely available to watch online. So that's how we got around that one. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> um, yeah. We picked a theme and we just kind of really made sure that we were we were pushing kind of the, watching the people, getting people to watch the films, but also doing some surrounding content about why we chose them, why, you know, why this film does this, why that film shows that. And we did a couple of panels where we talked about the films. And I think that was really, really important to to get the community together watching a film rather than just sitting down on a Sunday night, watching a couple of films on your own and, and that being that. Um, we were very, very fortunate, actually, that on the final day of the film, it happened to be, I think, the same day that the final film was being debuted on Red Bull TV. Okay. <laughs> um, so there was sort of a premiere in there as well, which was quite nice. Um, so we, we very much lucked out. Um, and actually, it was something that we had lots and lots of positive feedback about. The community really, really got behind it and were really, really engaging on it. And I really hope that it's something we can do in the future, um, whether it becomes an annual thing or you know we do one twice a year we do a physical one I, yeah and we we did have some people want to submit films as well um which was just amazing so yeah we really really we're really really stoked about it yeah i thought it was a great initiative it was amazing and and one of those films in there was uh casper steinfath's skagarak and and he said this in that film which i loved as well 
you can't control anything out there in the water. And he's obviously he said a lot of other stuff as well. But can you relate to the beauty of working with nature instead of against it? Oh, I mean, absolutely, right? It's there's this whole experience of getting out on the water and you're, you you can fight it. I think the other thing he says is you can fight it and you'll lose. Or there's some kind of I'm probably paraphrasing or getting that very wrong. That you fight it, you'll lose. You 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 work with it and you succeed. And I think that's something we can all kind of relate to if we're surfing a wave or on a downwind or or even paddling upwind. You kind of get into the rhythm of of the swell and things. Um, but I actually I think what like that film and what the other films kind of showed was the we hope was really inspired people to 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 do better as paddlers to be better paddlers um i'll always talk that when we're i always talk about as as paddlers and actually when i do kind of my startup coaching and as well about this idea of um kind of learning zones <clears throat> so as paddlers and as people we learn new skills and we acquire new skills and we become better for one of that phrase uh, at the edge of our comfort zone right and when we push the limits and get to the edge of our comfort zone, that's when we achieve stuff. That's when we enter something called the learning zone. And it's at that learning zone. And that's where kind of Skagorai kind of operates, right? He does the he does that that first uh the first attempt is a is a failure. Um and then it's all the rest of the film is learning. It's all learning. It's operating at the edge of his comfort zone and learning and learning and learning until he succeeds. And I think that's something that we can all take. You know, the number of times you've I've got on a, a narrower race board than I should have I should have been on or I've wanted to go, okay, I'm gonna try this new board out in some um in some swell and I you fall in constantly. But then you start to get it, right? You're at the edge of your comfort zone and you're learning. And kind of almost to bring this back to the app and we want our paddlers to push themselves and and paddle at the edge of this comfort zone in their learning zone where it is inherently risky. We want to mitigate that using Paddle Live. We want people to see what they've achieved and and ultimately kind of become become better paddlers. So that was one of the reasons we, we chose that film and, and some of the others. And that's probably my favorite one on the list because of that reason, actually. Well, that's a wonderful place to end off this interview because you know we want the same thing here at SAP FM. We want to inspire people to go paddle more, paddle often and get better at paddling. And um, it's that's why we want to share all these stories from wonderful people like yourself because i think there is so much to the stand-up paddle it's like a whole lifestyle i remember when i started getting into it i was oh wow you know you're just paddling a board how about you know how involved can it be but the people you meet and the, and the environmental awareness it creates and, and just the beauty that we experience out there paddling is just phenomenal so yeah i suggest everybody get out on the water to add to that like it's everyone should get out on the water and and everyone should you know, I have this phrase, it's, you know, look like a Muppet and love it. Like you shouldn't feel self-conscious about stuff. You get out and try it and have fun. And that's where this all starts, right? It's having fun, challenging yourself and uh, and just pushing yourself that little bit each time. And, and you get, it's so rewarding. It is. Absolutely. I love that. Look like a Muppet and love it. <laughs> it's great. Awesome. Well, David, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. And all the best with Paddlelogger. It's a, it's a great app and um, I'm sure it's going to do great things. Amazing. Thank you very much for, for having me. Thank you. Hey, okay, listen, I, I promised you something at the beginning of the podcast. And now listen, we've just done some radical research and we've come up with 14 super cool apps to help you in your sub journey. These babies will help you plan your trip. Check the wind, check the swell, check the tides, hell, check everything. Then they'll track you and tell you how sweet you are. Go get them now, man. Hell, they're free. Why not? 
You can get them on www.subfm.show. But listen, we ain't gonna leave them up there for long, so get it quickly, okay? You're welcome. Thank you for listening to Sup FM, the number one podcast for stand-up paddlers wherever you are. If you like what you've heard, please leave us a review on iTunes. Until then, we'll see you on the water.